I'm Rachel. Hi, I'm Beth. We're two hardworking mamas who have a lot in common. We're accountability partners, turned podcast partners, living ordinary lives while chasing our dreams. We're both obligers, and we created this podcast to help keep us accountable for showing up. We want to talk about motherhood, mastering our mindset, navigating that delicate balance of work and home life, and all of the things in between. Life is hard. We want you to know that you're not alone, and we see you. We're all in this together, and we're so glad you're here. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Wear Obliged podcast. This is Beth, and I'm really excited. We have a great guest today. Her name is Kendall Berry, and I'm going to tell you more about her. So Kendall is a money coach who helps first-time budgeters build lasting money habits and the confidence they need to reach their goals. She lives in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania with her husband, works part-time at her church, and advocates for infertility awareness and support. She also loves to read, travel, and laugh. Welcome, Kendall. Thanks, Beth. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you here today. Happy to be here. So we normally start out with a little icebreaker, and we would love to know what's something you've been into lately. So I've I've been really into audiobooks lately. I've always been a big reader, but um, recently discovered that I could get audiobooks on my phone, like just check them out from the library. So this last year, at least so far, I've read 22 audiobooks, and I like to just put them on when I'm doing something else, something mindless, and it just kind of makes everything a bit more interesting. So I've been really into that and probably listen to a book almost every day. Wow. Do you have a favorite genre? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I really love historical fiction. Okay. So a lot of what I've been reading has been that, but, I, but I've done a lot of like self-help and also um, just like about social issues as well. Nice. That's a great idea to rent them from the library or borrow them from the library. Yeah. It saved me a lot of money. Um, there's an app called Libby where you can just, you connect to your library card and then you can wait in line for different books and rent them. And, um, it's a great way to not even have to go into your library. Like you can just get them to your phone or Kindle. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, today, Kendall is going to talk to us about budgeting, and mm-hmm. she's going to share a little bit more about her infertility journey mm-hmm. or fertility journey. What is the terminology? <laughs> I think either of them work. Um, infertility journey, because that's like the diagnosis that we have, or fertility. Either one's fine. <laughs> okay. Okay. Can you tell us more about how you got started with budgeting? And I know you've mentioned in articles that have been written about you about your debt-free journey. Can you tell us more about how you got started? Yeah, absolutely. So back in 2016, my husband and I had been married for a few years and we really were not paying attention to our finances at all. We were just spending money and having lots of fun and yeah, we, we blew through a lot of savings when we first got married, just on like updating our house and going on trips and having just a wonderful time. But around 2016, I was feeling really burnt out at my job. Um, I'm a social worker by education. And and so I had been in the field for a few years and I was super burnt out 
uh, was hoping to leave my job. And at the same time, we were thinking like, we'd really love to start having kids. And it felt like, oh, well, you know, let's, let's get pregnant. And then I can just leave my job when we have our kids and that'll be great. And then I was like, well, wait a second, can we afford for me to actually stay home. <laughs> and that's when I took a look at my finances and realized how much debt we had. We had about $53,000 in debt between like student loans, credit card, new car, that kind of thing. And that was just a reality check. And it was a little bit crushing to me to realize, oh my gosh, we have all this debt. And with our monthly payments, there's no way for me to stay home. Like I've always dreamed there's, there's no way for me to even like leave the job that I'm working at because for social work, it's like a fairly good paying job. And I feel like I I have to stay here. And so that was the kickoff point to where we realized we need to figure this out. We need to get on a plan. Now, just so happened that that same weekend, our church was offering a class about um, finances. So we signed up for it and very quickly got on board, learned how to make a budget and in that next year, um, paid off all of our debt and saved our emergency fund. And then about, I would say, so we saved up, we paid off our debt in 2017. And then in 2018, I was able to leave my job because at that point I was, I was totally burnt out. Like I, I just physically could not keep working there. So I left my job and we had the freedom for me to just figure out what I wanted to do next. Yeah, I I naively thought like I'm not gonna work again <laughs> because I'm so burnt out. But a few months later, I realized, you know, there are a lot of other people who feel stuck in their jobs, who feel like they can't make the decisions that are important to them because finances are holding them back. And that's when I got really excited about um, wanting to help other people with their finances. So that's when I made a career switch and learned, um, took a class to become a coach and started my business. Wow. Okay. So I just want to acknowledge like that burnout with work and were you doing like direct services? Were you working like directly with clients? I was working in a nursing home and I I had quite a few um, clients. Yeah. Yeah. That I was working with. Yeah. That's legit. Um, It sounds like you paid off your debt pretty quickly. You started your journey in 2016 and then the next year it was like paid off. Yeah, we, we were very fortunate and I, you know, I acknowledge like just how privileged that we are because we had two really great jobs and we didn't have children yet. So like we could slash our expenses back pretty far. And so we did use a little bit of savings to pay off some of it, but, um, for the most part cash flowed, like just knocking out our debt in the next year and just kind of said, Hey, you know, we got to keep working these jobs until we get this done so that we can <laughs> decide if they're the right jobs for us after. So do you find that when you are coaching folks that they know what a budget is, or are you starting like from the beginning when you're talking about budgeting and money? Yeah. So I think that when I, with the first time that I meet clients, if they're brand new to their journey, they think they've been budgeting, but they actually haven't been. They think that having a budget means that they like, they just know what their bills are, but a budget is so much more than that. A budget is like a a physical document, (laughs) whether it's on the computer or paper or your phone, it's like a physical document where you make a plan for your money ahead of time for each month. So that's where 
there's some education that comes in like, okay, it's wonderful that, you know, your bills, but we need to take this a step further and say, like, let's make a plan for the money that's coming in so that you're not just paying your bills and then your money's going wherever it goes. Like, you know, where every dollar is going. Okay. So can you tell us more about like that planning process and and what that looks like? Absolutely. Examples. Absolutely. So essentially a budget, like I said, is your plan for your money so that you can maximize every dollar that's coming in. You take your income, subtract your expenses and make a plan for every dollar. That's essentially what a budget is. But what that looks like a little bit more clearly is the first thing you'd want to do is get out your calendar, gather your bank statements if you aren't sure what you're spending each month in different categories. And then if you're say, we'll just say you're using a pen and paper, write down how much you plan to make that next month. And this is where people are like, oh, but my, my income is varied. I can't plan for that. Well, guess low. (laughs) You, you must know like, okay, worst case scenario, I am going to make this much this month. So plan for the worst case scenario, as far as your income. So start with your income at the top and then you're going to pull out your different categories like food, housing, lifestyle, insurance, debt payoff, giving, et cetera. You're going to have categories for each of those things and plan how much you plan to spend in each category. Now, each category is going to be broken down. Like a housing category will probably have rent, mortgage, utilities, water, trash, et cetera. Food might be broken up into like groceries and restaurants. And you're just going to want to go through and make sure that you hit your top priorities first. So if you're in a period where you're trying to pay off debt or save money, you want to make sure that that's a top priority first, because if you come back to it at the end, you might not have money left for it. But your top priorities go first. And then there's those variable expenses. That's where you look at your calendar like, okay, so-and-so has a birthday this month or Christmas or Uh, you know, every month looks different. So there are certain variable expenses that pop up each month that you're going to want to make sure are different in each monthly budget. So once you've had all, like put your money in all your expenses, if you have anything left, which is great, then you can go back around and hit your goals again. So I kind of take like the the two-pronged approach, like hit them at the beginning and then hit them again if you can. So now you've got your plan, but that's only the first step. The next thing is you need to keep going back and reconciling it with what you've spent. So if you said, I'm going to spend $400 on groceries this month, and you go to the grocery store and you pay $100 for groceries, you need to log that somewhere so that you know, okay, I've spent $100, I have $300 left for the rest of the month. And that's something you can refer back to so that you know where you're at with your spending. Okay. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Is there a particular tool that you recommend to keep track of all of this? I know you mentioned just having it written somewhere, whether that's like electronically or, you know, like on pen and paper, Mm -hmm. but I think like the trick there is remembering to log that type of thing. Is there anything you use to help keep track of everything? Absolutely. Yeah. So my favorite thing to use is an app that just works well for me. We have the every dollar app, which is a a free tool, or you can pay for it to like connect to your bank account, but we use the free tool. And so my husband and I both have it on our phone. If we go to the grocery store, I'm literally in the parking lot 
adding, you know, from the receipt, how much we spent so that it, it just updates for me to say, okay, I have hundred dollars left to spend this month on food, or, you know, if we're going to go over, then I need to adjust a different category so that I can add more to this category. And that's okay. I, I, you know, I want people to know like what you set in stone at the beginning of the month doesn't have to be set in stone, you know, life's going to happen throughout the month. So you've got to be able to come back and say, okay, we got to adjust these categories, but it needs to be within what you are actually making. Every dollar gets a purpose, but you can't overspend the money that you're actually bringing in. Right. Yeah. That Um, sounds bad. (laughs) But yeah. so, So to answer your question, I love an app, but you should use what works for you. I have clients who can only use paper because they need to have like the tactile, like writing it out. And so they keep a paper in their, in their pocketbook that says how much they have, and they physically write out how much they've spent. I have people who love using Excel and so really use what works for you. I just, I just prefer the app, but that's maybe like, you know, in some ways it's a generational thing um, and different people prefer different things. Sure. Can you talk a little bit about using the budget so that it doesn't feel like you are depriving yourself or like you're restricted in some way with your spending? Mm, Yeah. So the best way to feel like it's not depriving you is by not depriving yourself. (laughs) Um, Your budget is your plan. So I always suggest that clients create a budget that's for the long term, that it's something they can stick to this year, five years from now, 10 years from now, and that it includes important things to them, things that they value. Also things like healthcare, preventative care, fun, rest, vacations, those things are important. Now, of course, there might be a period of time where your top priority is paying off debt. And you might say, you know what, for the next six months, we're going to cut back on these extras because our value right now is wanting to get out of debt really quickly. And that's okay, but it needs to be short-lived. It needs to be reasonable. And I think when you're doing that and you've really been intentional that this is what's important to me right now, it feels less like you're depriving yourself and more like you're working towards the goal. But ultimately the goal is that your, your budget would include things that are like fun and restful and important to you too. Yeah. I like what you said about making a goal and then sort of not having it be forever, Mm -hmm. but just being really intentional for a specific amount of time, because that makes it seem more attainable. Yeah. And I run into people who are totally burnt out because they've gotten used to depriving themselves for a long period of time. And then maybe they carry a little bit of guilt. Like I know that I can live without vacations or restaurants, et cetera. So maybe I should. And I would just say to those people, like a healthy relationship towards money includes, you know, working, saving, giving, and spending. And it's okay to spend a little bit. And it's okay to to spend money on the things that you value. There are things that I don't value. So, I mean, we don't really care that much about TV, so I don't have cable but we do care a lot about the food that we eat. So we probably spend more than other people do on groceries and restaurants. We can't overspend in every category, but, but the things that are important to us are important to make time for and money for. Um, and having that fun money is so important. Like money that's yours to spend on whatever you want, as frivolous as, as the expense might be. 
Love that. So there's a lot, actually a lot of freedom in budgeting is what you're saying. Absolutely. It's, it's your budget. It's, it shouldn't look like what you think somebody else thinks it should look like. It's a hundred percent, a reflection of what you value. Do you recommend doing a budget with your partner or your spouse? Yes, absolutely. Um, if you're married or, you know, have a partner committed relationship, you really should be on the same page with your finances. Um, money fights are one of the leading causes of divorce and it's so, it's just so important to be a team. My personal opinion is that there shouldn't be secrets <laughs> in a relationship about money. Like you should know what your partner is making and spending their money on. And both partners should have a say in the family budget. Now, both partners are going to come into it with different skills or strengths. So like my skill and strength is I really love the numbers. So I'm the one who makes the budget each month, but we sit down and we look at it together and um, we both get a say. So I might make it, but my husband's opinion of what we're spending our money on is just as important and as valuable as mine. So, yeah, I think that it can be a little scary broaching those t- topics if you've never talked to your spouse about money before. Um, one suggestion I would say with that is just to to not make it about past mistakes or things that you're upset about to say, like, let's dream big. Let's dream about what the future could look like if money wasn't an issue, if money wasn't a stress and take some time to just dream together and then have a non-judgmental chat about how you can align your behaviors to those goals to help make them happen. But I really do think it's a team effort and that husbands and wives or, you know, partners who can be on the same page and work together, get a lot farther than those who are trying to do it on their own. That makes so much sense. Do you have any tips on sort of changing your mindset around money? And we sort of talked about this with making a budget. So it feels like you do have a plan and more freedom with it, but do you find that people that you work with or that, you know, have certain mindsets or limiting beliefs about money that need to change in order to help them meet their goals? I was just thinking like personally, my family, like growing up, money was something that we didn't have a ton of extra of. So it was more like, there were very intentional decisions made about what we could and couldn't do as a family. And so I think those beliefs around money, like there might not be enough of it, or you have to work really hard to make money. And, you know, there's always that hustle sort of informs how I treated my budget for a while. Mm. And so I've had to just work around those thoughts about money and that relationship with money? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that, you know, every person's different. So sometimes people like who maybe have grown up in situations where there wasn't a lot of money, like they, they can feel more um, stressed or like, you know, however much they make is just like not ever enough. Like they're just worried that something's going to happen or another shoe is going to drop or something like that, which can be really hard and also really understandable. Um, so I think it's just really important for people to understand what their triggers are, not just spending, but like 
emotional triggers when it comes to money um, and get on the same page with their spouse about that too. Like, um, so I, I usually have my, my couples sit down and do a spending agreement with each other where they decide ahead of time, okay, if a purchase is over a hundred dollars, we're going to talk about it before, <laughs> before we make that purchase. Um, and just have like a better understanding of what makes the other person tick or what makes the other person feel concerned or nervous about money. Hopefully that answers your question. <laughs> no, I think, I think that's it because I'm just imagining that that conversation and that relationship with money and your spouse and maybe coming from completely different viewpoints and beliefs around money can be really challenging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, on the same page. Yeah. And think, and people deal with things like guilt and shame that, you know, I, I like to talk through, like, there's a big difference between shame and guilt. Guilt says, I made a mistake with money. Shame says I am bad with money. And those are two very different things. And so you, it's hard, but you need to be able to push back. And it comes down to like the things that you tell yourself and reframing some of those conversations that you have with yourself in there, in your head about your relationship with money. And sometimes it's as simple as just like saying, no self, (laughs) actually, I just, I made a mistake and I can learn to do better and I can make this change and do something different. I think it's important to celebrate even the little thing, like the little um, steps along the way, find ways to do the things that were like fun for you, but find cheaper ways to do them or different ways to do them. Um, Not comparing your journey with other people. Those are all important things too. I love it. I'm a big fan of the reframe for lots of different things. Yeah. Yeah. I don't believe in like manifesting necessarily. So there are a lot of people who will talk about money, like, oh, you just need to repeat this manifestation over and over again. Like money's flowing my way or whatever. I don't necessarily believe that. So I think that's where I like tripped up a little bit (laughs) when you asked, because I, yeah, I think it matters a lot more like that you actually take the steps to create a new habit and like follow through with those things. But our, the way we talk to ourselves is so important. Yeah. That makes so much sense. In what ways has using a budget and especially being debt-free really impacted your life? I know you talked about being able to like step back from your job when you were feeling really burnt out. Are there any other ways that you've seen your debt-free journey impact your life? Absolutely. I mean, it's meant everything to us to be able to make the decisions that we want to make for ourselves and the life that we hope to have, to be able to go from totally burnt out and just like sick to feeling passionate and excited again about, you know, life and work and all those things has meant so much to us. Um, but also, you know, it's, it's given me this business. It's given me the ability to like help people with their finances. Uh, it's allowed us to have the freedom to pay extra on our house so that hopefully we can retire early. It's, it's just been a pivotal like thing in our life. It's very inspiring. So I am on my own debt-free journey. I'm not quite there yet, but I think it's always nice to just get some inspiration and just know that it is possible because at times it can just feel a little overwhelming. Absolutely. And I just wish you the best because it's like, it's such a good feeling and knowing that you're doing it, you know, 
it doesn't matter how, how slow or quick you're doing it. Once you do it, it's, it's, it's going to be so, um, so great for you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Do you feel like doing all of this other work with being debt-free and budgeting has impacted the way that you sort of are approaching your infertility journey? Yeah. So our debt-free journey was inspired by like the desire to be parents and everything we've done to get out of debt has been for our future children. And we just expected that as soon as we were debt-free and we decided we're going to have kids, that it would happen as soon as we decided it would happen. And it didn't. Um, and that was really, really hard for me, really, really, really hard. And so being debt-free has meant that I, you know, like I said, I was able to leave the job that I was burnt out at. I was also able to make decisions that were good for my mental health, because that's what I really needed in our debt or in our infertility journey. And it's meant that we have more money that we can put aside for that because it's, (laughs) it's very expensive. I was just on the phone with the financial counselor at our fertility center this morning, just getting information about the costs of, of treatment going forward, because it's not covered by our insurance and knowing that we have some money set aside that we can cover, you know, like one more treatment or whatever is it's peace, you know, because they, they hand you a packet with like, here's how to finance, you know, a company you can call to finance your treatment and knowing that we don't have to put that on debt. Like we don't have to choose between going into debt and trying to, um, grow our family is, it's been really great. (laughs) Yeah. Is there anything else that you wanted to share about your, your journey, your infertility journey? Yeah, I think one of the things that has really stuck out to me has been just how like pervasive infertility issues actually are. There are so many more people than you realize who have gone through either like miscarriage or difficulty getting pregnant or PCOS or different issues with fertility. And so many of those people suffer kind of in silence because it's sort of a taboo subject. We don't talk about, we spend a lot of time telling kids in high school that here's how to not get pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, and you never expect that when you decide to get pregnant, that it's going to be so difficult to do so. And so there's, there can be some like shame and just uh, unsureness of how to talk about it with other people and misconceptions that people have. And so a lot of people stay silent and I'm not really like a stay silent type of person. <laughs> I'm an, I'm an external processor. So I've never really had an issue with that, but I know at the beginning of our journey, it was maybe a little harder for my husband to want to talk about it with other people. And so we, we didn't really share it with other people. And that felt very isolating and alone. And when I finally said, you know, I think it would be really helpful for us to tell people and get that support that has made a huge difference to us because the community, the village of people around us who just love on us and are praying for us and care so much about whether or not we get pregnant, like has been so humbling. And I know that when it happens that when we do finally get pregnant, like how, how many people will be so excited and will love our child so much. So I guess where I'm going with that long monologue is just, I, 
I want people to know who are listening, who are going through it, that you're not alone, that, you know, hopefully you have people in your life who love you and would support you. Um, sometimes it just takes a little bit of education, like here, here's what I need from you. Here's what I need you to know about this journey for me. Here's how you can best support me. And that people for the most part, like really want to be there for you, how you need them to show up. They just maybe don't know how to or they, they are worried about hurting your feelings or whatever. So um, I would encourage people to find somebody to talk to about it, whether it's a, a friend, family member, counselor, online support group, whatever. It just, I think going through this and not feeling alone is, is so valuable. Definitely. And that's one thing I really admire about you is that you've been sharing this journey so openly. And that's sort of been your whole goal is to make sure that people know that they're not alone and that there's support available. Yeah, thanks so much, Beth. I think people have been so much more um, supportive than I even thought, like just strangers on the internet who, who are praying for us or who reach out and share their experience. It's been, I was nervous about it, but it's been really only good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think you're right. It's just something that we're not talking about and yeah. it can be super isolating. It is. And it's becoming a bigger issue. One in seven, I believe one in seven or one in eight people experience some sort of issues getting pregnant and one in four pregnancies can um, end in miscarriage. So there are a lot of people who are hurting and are, are silent about it. And so <laughs> I just want them to feel supported. <laughs> Yeah, it it is hard to talk about those things and mm. probably because we're not having those conversations. Yeah. And there are so many things that right when we're talking about like such sex education in school, mm. we're not talking about anything else besides not getting pregnant. Yeah. And there's just a lot more room to open that conversation, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think just like an emotional conversation or emotional maturity about how to talk about hard things to people who are suffering. <laughs> I think that can be helpful to everybody for every situation, <laughs> whether it's death, whether it's loss of job, whatever. I think that we can all just learn how to be a little bit more supportive. So I've loved it when I've had friends who have said, Hey, I really want to ask you about this, but I'm afraid like I'll say the wrong thing. What's the best way for me to ask you how you're doing or what's the best way for me to support you right now? What's the best way for me to tell you I'm here for you? And that means so much to me when somebody's like, I don't know (laughs) the Mm -hmm. answer, but I want to help. So, you know, then I can tell them what I need, but what I need is probably different than what somebody else needs. Well, it sounds like you have some really great friends. (laughs) I do. I do. I'm very, very blessed in that way. Yeah. Do you have any tips or what advice would you give to someone who is going through their own infertility journey? Um, a big one would be to advocate for yourself because you have every right to know what procedures are happening, why, you know, what they relate to you, what your labs look like. Those are all important things. And I think sometimes they can, you can be left feeling like you're swept up in the whole, like, medical machine of everything and that your, your desires and your concerns aren't important. And so I had that earlier, like two years ago, we were at a different fertility clinic and I just didn't feel 
it didn't feel right. There was something off. I didn't feel like it was the right place for us and had some other issues there. And so we left and we went to a different one and it's been a wholly better, different experience. And so I would just say like, you know, if you have a doctor that you, you don't click with or who isn't listening to your concerns, it's okay for you to go and, and find what you need elsewhere. That's probably one of the biggest ones. Yeah. Do you have like any tips around like the emotional journey that also I'm, I'm imagining accompanies this whole journey? Mm, Yeah. I, I think the most important thing to me has been feeling my feelings when I feel them and not trying to push them down. So for me, when, when we have bad news about different things, I need to just have a day or two to cry and be really upset before we decide what the next step is. So like we just had a procedure done last week. And so we're in this two week wait, you know, we've got like seven or eight more days until we can take a pregnancy test. And I've put in my calendar, I've blocked off two days because either way, (laughs) whether I'm happy or I'm sad, I know that I will need space to feel those feelings. And there's a lot of big feelings. It's a huge emotional undertaking to be trying to get pregnant and to constantly be disappointed and the ups and the downs of it all. It's just, you know, you need to take time to rest. You need to take time to talk about your feelings with your partner and hear their feelings and um, process everything that's going on and, and take the time that you need to feel like you can make the next decision. So yeah, feel your feelings and don't be afraid of them because they're valid. This is like, there's so much grief that goes into this grief of this is not what I expected my life to look like grief of, I don't know if I'll ever be a mom grief of why I really thought that was going to work. And I was so hopeful and I, I was on such a high and now I'm at such a low. There's, there's just so many hard things. So having a support system and letting yourself feel your feelings is so important. Those are some really good self-care tips. I think what you're saying is so important because if you're not really taking care of yourself, it's not going to be good for anyone. I Mm. think that's true in a lot of situations, but I think especially um, taking your care of yourself emotionally and just recognizing how you're feeling is so important. And I've been talking, well, we just recorded an episode, Rachel and I, and I was talking to her about processing old grief. Mm. So if you're not, you know, dealing with those emotions now, eventually I think they'll come back. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Do you think this has changed your relationship with your husband? Yeah, I think thankfully, um, for us, like we have a very, we've always had a very strong like friendship and and relationship in general. And he's just such a supportive guy. I think if anything, it's made us closer. Mm-hmm. And it, if anything, like we've come to the point where, you know, if we don't have kids, we know that we at least have like a very good relationship with each other and that we'll, we can still find joy and happiness. But as with like money, <laughs> you know, it's a team sport. I think infertility is a team sport. Money is a team sport. You do these things together. You pick each other up when the other person's down. We tend to be like, one of us will be up, the other person will be down. And then we, we help each other just get through it. But going through hard things together makes us closer and has made us closer. 
Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I was thinking that it was going to be, if it, you're talking about any changes, it would be that you were closer. <laughs> yeah, and I know that that's not always the case. Like, I think, I do think we probably would be okay even if we hadn't paid off our debt. But I think that having paid off our debt together was one of those things that brought us really close together because we saw how we could crush our goals together and how we could support each other. And so anytime you have an opportunity to do that, I think it just brings you closer, but I know that that's not the experience that everybody has. Mm -hmm. I think for us, it's just been a lot about, we're going to get through this together and it doesn't matter if it's somebody's fault or, you know, if the infertility is on one person's side or another, like whatever the issue is, it's our issue together. And I think that has really helped not to like put blame or not to let it divide us or, or anything like that. Did you have anything else that you wanted to add? This has been such a fun chat. I mean, I love talking about money and I enjoy talking about <laughs> fertility too. So it's a, thank you so much for this opportunity. Um, I would just say to people who are on the fence of what they should do with their finances that, you know, sometimes we let fear hold us back or keep us from doing the things that we know would be good for us. And so just ripping the bandaid off and, taking a look at where you are with your finances, how much debt you have, where your money's going each month can be really scary, but it's also the very necessary first step to feeling in control of your finances. And you, I mean, you deserve that. You deserve to know where every dollar is going. You deserve to feel like the money that you're making is serving your purposes and your values. And so I just hope that if you need a sign that this is your sign to, to make a budget, it doesn't have to be perfect. It's going to be a work in progress every month, but you can do it. Are you taking new clients or how how does that work? Yeah. So I take clients for one-on-one coaching. Um, I have a variety of different packages, but what I typically do first is offer a free consultation, like 30 minutes just to hear what people are going through and what their goals are, tell them a bit about what it looks like to hire a financial coach. And then we decide if that would work for them because I really want it to be something that they're in for, um, having somebody else help them with their finances. And I interview them first and see, you know, if it's a good fit, but I am taking clients at this time. Okay. Where, where can we find you? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram for the most part. I'm on Instagram at berries on a budget, but you can also look up my website, which is berrypersonalfinance.com. And there's a link there. There's also a link in my Instagram profile to set up a free consultation. And that's really the best way to get started. Okay, great. We'll put all of this in the show notes as well so that it's easy for, for folks to find you. Perfect. I personally love your Instagram because you give really actionable tips about budgeting and I'm in it for the office memes. Yes, <laughs> that's my favorite. I, lo- I just love to laugh. So to me, like making money fun to talk about is great. So thank you. Yeah, love it. Yeah, thank you. Kendall, thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited for folks to hear this episode. Thank you so much for having me. Bye. You can find me, Rachel, on Instagram at Lawrence, And you can find me, Beth, on Instagram at Raven Hair Chica. Bye.